from MIT Technology Review, I'm Laurel Aruma, and this is Business Lab, the show that helps business leaders make sense of new technologies coming out of the lab and into the marketplace. Our topic today is hydroponic vertical farming as a possible solution to food availability challenges. In areas like the United Arab Emirates, where the region has little arable land, scarce water for irrigation, and far more people than it can feed through its own production. Traditional farming simply isn't viable. Fortunately, science and technology are finding a way. Two words for you, food security. My guest today is Apisith Pongsavan, lead project manager of Smart Acres. Smart Acres is an indoor vertical hydroponic farm that grows pesticide-free leafy greens using one-tenth of the land and 90% less water than traditional farming. This podcast is produced in association with the UAE Pavilion Expo 2020 Dubai. Welcome, Episith. Thanks for having me. So in the United Arab Emirates, Smart Acres is one of the leaders in vertical farming. Where is the company right now in its development stage? After being operational throughout our POC stage for the last three years, uh, we've now moved on and integrated a newer version of our growth module, version 2.0. We've basically taken into consideration the challenges that we faced with the first model. And uh, we've gone ahead and uh, made sure that our newer module is uh, ready to go uh, with better circulation systems, better regulation of humidity and AC, um, enabled modulation of light intensities during different stages of growth. And uh, in total, all of these changes just result in better energy efficiency. So Apiseth, if I were to walk in on your vertical farm today, what would I see actually? It's a shipping container? Sure. So right now we have eight shipping containers placed in such a way that they're interconnected for efficiency. So you would walk in. Uh, they're all horizontal, by the way. None of them, none of them are standing up. Uh, you would walk into the entrance container uh, where you would be required to remove your shoes and um, external clothing such as jackets and sweaters. You'd put on PPE, wash your hands, put on um, sanitized boots as well, and then walk through uh, an air shower, a closed air shower. And then you would make your way into the work module. And to the right of the work module, we have four growth containers. And then right beside uh, the fourth, fourth one, we have a germination uh, module that's used for germinating our seeds uh, for transplantation into the growth modules. And then the last module we have is uh, a packing and a storage facility. So countries like the United Arab Emirates, where traditional farming is next to impossible, are food dependent. What does that mean? And how does that affect the quality and availability of fresh produce? Sure. So living in a region with uh, a lot of non-arable land and uh, within arid conditions, uh, we're not able to uh, produce a lot of the crops needed uh, for consumption uh, for the nation. And uh, interesting fact, uh, the UAE actually imports 90% of the food for consumption. So uh, 
that's one factor uh, that we take into consideration when it comes to being food insecure. Being food insecure, uh, we import a lot of uh, crops from around the world, and that impacts the quality and availability because, uh, let's say, for instance, um, during the pandemic or even uh, global crises, if you were to have uh, logistical challenges with transport, you're not going to have, you're going to have disruptions in the supply chain. Second of all, the quality. When you have crops being flown in, you're going to have a great reduction of nutrient value when it comes to healthy foods. Although there are several reasons for poor food production in the UAE, the scarcity of water contributes heavily. Most of the water in the country is recycled and reused. But this process itself can only happen so many times. How does vertical farming address this challenge? In essence, traditional farming uses a lot of the, the world's water for uh, agricultural purposes. Um, a lot of the water is wasted uh, via uh, poor irrigation, evaporation, and just uh, water mismanagement. Uh, what vertical farming uh, looks to address is proper efficient use of the water, uh, up to 95% less water than traditional farming methods. Well, looking at the photographs that Smart Acres had posted on social media, I was struck by how green and vibrant the produce is. Um, The heads of lettuce and kale are are just beautiful. But one thing that is surprising to see is that your farmers are wearing lab coats. So this looks a lot more like science (laughs) than traditional farming. Is that a correct assessment? (laughs) <laughs> and that's a that's a really funny observation. Yes, a lot of people do actually make the same observation, and uh, there is a lot of science um, in what we do. But the main purpose for our our PPE, our, our personal protective equipment, is actually for the crops themselves. When we come in, you know, we have air showers built in into our facilities. Um, we make sure that our controlled environment is as sterile as possible to protect the plants from external factors. For an example, even exhalation with our team members, uh, there's a lot of CO2 uh, that is exhaled. And in order for us to keep our environment as consistent and controlled as possible, even the CO2 in the air must be controlled and kept uh, at a consistent rate. So these are the reasons why we do wear uh, protective personal protective equipment, uh, not just for our sake, but mainly for the plant's sake, because we do uh, not use any pesticides. We want to make sure that uh, our crops are as healthy as possible for consumption. And keeping the growing in such a contained environment, um, it sounds like, one, it's it's good for the, the plants because they are in a very um, specific environment that allows for rapid growth and uh, the most nutrient growth. But are there other reasons? Um, What would happen if a a pest was somehow accidentally introduced to one of these vertical farms? When you say a a pest, what kind of pest are you referring to? Are you referring to the the critter kind or disease, (laughs) microbiological? So yeah, um, yeah, like it seems like a possible fly or something, (laughs) you know wants to munch on all the, the lettuce might get in there somehow. So that's an interesting question. We haven't uh, faced that challenge as of yet, but in terms of protocols, we definitely have to sweep the entire system um, front and back, inside and out, 
uh, with a, a full scale disinfection uh, program. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, we make sure that all of our team members uh, wear PPE. Uh, they wash their hands um, probably more than 10, 20 times uh, a shift uh, upon requirements. And there's an air shower as well at the entrance. So we try to minimize any external pests that do come in. But as mentioned, if, if we do happen to find one in the near future, there would be a 100% lockdown and a disinfection. Hmm. So Smart Acres uses this type of state-of-the-art technology to ma- maintain the optimal conditions for growth and nourishment, yes. as we said. Um, but you have in-house growing modules and yes. then an Internet of Things-based technology system to help these modules. Could you tell us more about each and how do these technologies ensure high-quality crops? Sure. So to begin with, uh, with our modules, uh, they are fitted freight containers uh, with individual complete HVAC systems within each module. And we house around 1,920 pots per unit. Uh, part two, um, our system is a proprietary uh, cloud-based system. And, uh, you know, we implement live data monitoring systems via mobile apps. Uh, we can control the specific parameters and set targets. Uh, and overall, the system is capable of self-adjusting. And what I mean by self-adjusting, uh, there are five main conditions that we uh, control. Uh, light, humidity, circulation, uh, nutrients, and temperature. Now, all of those uh, play a big factor in the cultivation of our crops. Uh, we try to keep our environment as consistent as possible. So, as mentioned before, when it comes to lighting, for example, we found that our first module um, d- didn't uh, modulate the light intensities properly, and there was a mismanagement of energy resources. Uh, so we found that near the end of the cultivation, the growth stage, uh, there was a requirement for a higher light intensity. So now with our module version two, uh, we're able to control the intensity. Um, same thing with humidity and circulation. We found that living in such a harsh environment within the UAE, humidity was, was a big, big problem. And we managed to create a new system that uh, balanced out the humidity levels with proper air circulation, which uh, helps our plants grow healthier and more efficient. Uh, Because if there is high humidity, for example, there isn't uh, enough uh, plant transpiration. And without proper plant transpiration, you're not going to get the nutrients being pulled up from the the root through the stem all the way to the leaves. And then you're going to end up with... uh, a variety of problems such as tip burns. So with all of these changes, uh, you end up with uh, better quality plants. So what kind of difference are we talking about nutritional value uh, between a head of lettuce that's farmed tradition- traditionally versus one at Smart Acres? And, and why is this so important? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> we haven't uh, actually completed our nutritional analysis yet. We are planning to because we just uh, switched to our version 2, 2.0 of our module. But, you know, when, when taking a look at uh, a traditionally farmed head of lettuce versus a vertically farmed head of lettuce at Smart Acres, uh, you can just instinctively tell right off the bat 
in terms of nutritional value because when crops are transported and flown in from halfway across the world, they lose a lot of their uh, nutrient content already uh, during uh, transportation. So when we're growing our vertically farmed lettuce, uh, you know, you're getting uh, crops that are locally grown and there's less time for transportation, which, which means you have a higher yield of nutrients in your crops. And, and also with our, our vertically farmed uh, lettuce at Smart Acres, um, we're able to control uh, the nutrient fertilizers. So, for example, when you're farming your crops traditionally, um, you can spray your fertilizers, but then due to other external factors such as wind and um, poor irrigation, you're going to have a lot of the fertilizer uh, that is not properly utilized within the crop. Uh, since we have a controlled environment and we have no soil and the roots are actually in the water, submerged in the water, uh, you know, you're, you're guaranteed a higher nutritional value, 100%. But as I mentioned, we haven't uh, gone around to uh, testing and analyzing or the exact numbers yet, but uh, we will get to that. I'm sure there's quite a difference. I'm imagining a freight airplane full of boxes of just perishable lettuce and, and, For sure. and temperature control and For sure. everything you have to think of. Yeah, yeah. That's a and valid also, point. Yeah, that's a that's a valid point because uh, you know during during transportation it depends on the logistics company with their cold chain, and uh, if systems go you know awry, then you're gonna have a lot of inventory that uh, is not uh, nutritionally sound for sure. So the idea is to expand to meet you know popular um, demand for for. Exciting produce, not that lettuce isn't exciting, but <laughs> things like strawberries and potatoes. Um, what, what, how does local appetites kind of influence what you grow? And, um, or is there sort of like a scientific reason that we're starting first with lettuces and kales? <laughs> exciting reasons for the non-cool crops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, um, to begin with, Vertical farming, um, in terms of agritech is a novel concept. And, uh, yes, it's, it's, it's buzzworthy right now. Uh, but I, when I mean novel, I mean, you know, the technology to, to make sure that you have a product that is accessible and available and affordable. Um, it, it's just not there yet because the barrier to entry is so high when it comes to high tech vertical farming. Um, and so it's easier and less of a challenge to start off with experimenting and, and doing R&D with leafy green vegetables as opposed to doing um, high value crops such as strawberries or um, staple foods such as potato seeds. So uh, that is the first reason. Um, we chose strawberries because, yes, they are a high value uh, crop and a lot of uh, People in the UAE, regardless if they're local Emirati or expats, do love strawberries. Um, so we decided uh, to move on with strawberries after leafy leafy greens. Um, so it's not necessarily uh, a scientific reason. There is no scientific reason for strawberries. It's more of a, a business case <laughs> than it is a scientific reason. Um, you know, in retrospect, I guess you could sort of say there is a slight scientific reason because there is no leading vertical farm 
in UAE right now that is um, commercializing strawberries. So in fact, we would love to be the first one to, to test and, and get it right. So that is the science behind it, I guess you could say. Uh, when it comes to the potato seed, uh, it's not a scientific reason, more of a socioeconomic reason. Uh, a lot of the countries uh, in the MENA region, uh, Middle East, North Africa, get their potato seeds and their potatoes imported from around the globe, such as uh, Europe and North America. And we would really like uh, to reduce and curb that dependence on that system. So if we were to grow the Middle East potato seed, it would do wonders uh, for the local ecosystem in terms of uh, Middle East and North Africa. It means such a staple food for for so many different meals and available to so many different types of people who can Mm -hmm. use it around the world certainly makes a big difference. For sure, 100%. A big, big difference. Yeah, uh, the potato was the, the third main uh, staple crop in the world, actually, uh, mm-hmm. uh, behind wheat and rice. Yeah, it's 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 really huge. There's a, a huge market for it. But once again, um, it's a socioeconomic thing for our vision with uh, the potato seed to ensure that our our neighboring countries in the MENA region uh, can uh, you know depend less on uh, international uh, imports and. Uh, we can work within a local ecosystem. So the future expansion plans of the company is to develop the Smart Acres Institute of Food Security and Agriculture. Mm-hmm. Talking a bit about what you said. So it's sort of a localized food security program. So this institute will be built on a plot of land owned by Smart Acres CEO, Correct. Abdullah al Kabi. Yes. What is the vision of this institute and what does it mean to invest locally? Um, this is a reoccurring theme with a number of, of topics we've t- discussed today, but investing locally, growing locally, and consuming locally is certainly important for the United Arab Emirates. Sure. So being as Abdullah Al-Kabi himself, our CEO, is a, a local Emirati, we wholeheartedly believe in investing locally, uh, not just because of that main fact, but because the UAE government uh, itself, uh, they have a mandate, uh, a food, the Food Security Strategy 2051. And we very much would love to uh, participate and help as much as we can to make sure that the UAE reaches their target. When it comes to the Institute, um, our long-term, a long-term goal is, is actually to be a pioneer within the region to facilitate the research and development of plant propagation. We'd really love to look into growing new crops and plants uh, that can be grown efficiently uh, within this harsh environment. So let's say, for example, right now there are farms that grow melons, that grow capsicum, that grow cucumber. However, they're using seeds uh, from international companies that aren't necessarily, um, I would say, uh, advantageous in terms of being grown within uh, these harsh environments. So yes, you can grow these certain crops, but how about your yield? You know, how is your yield uh, at the end of a uh, harvest? Um, what about uh, disease and, and pests? Are, are they prone to, to such factors? You know, so our long-term goal with the Institute is to focus on plant propagation. And in the short term, uh, the first uh, crop that we wanted to experiment with is once again, uh, cultivating the 
UAE potato seed for the meeting. So you're a trained chef and you have experience in award-winning restaurants all over the world. So you must have a pretty unique view of this project. How do you bring your, your love of food and culinary expertise to this project? And what does it mean for you to be part of it where you can really help bring high quality produce to every table? Hmm. You know, that's a very uh, layered question and it's a personal one. And I'll, I'll tell you uh, the honest truth, uh, because uh, I am a chef, um, I feel more connected uh, to the to the business philosophy in terms of food security and food sustainability because uh, chefs and, and even home cooks you know you you're you're in tune with the ingredients you're you're touching the produce you're it, it's who you are it's who I am you know without proper ingredients we cannot do well, what we are made to do and um, my experience as a chef uh, it gives me a different perspective when it comes to smart acres because I don't just try to think of it wholly 100% from a business perspective, but I also think of it from a, a consumer social responsibility perspective as well to make sure that we are doing the right thing for the future generations uh, to come. And to have these different perspectives and my philosophies coming together into to one project, uh, it's very profound for me, to be honest, because even with food wastage as a chef, we try to minimize food waste in the kitchen. And um, I took that philosophy with me to the company. And uh, for instance, when we have uh, food wastage on our farm, I found ways to upcycle our wastage uh, so that we can put it right back into uh, the ecosystem and uh, you know get value from it as opposed to just throwing it out and having the food waste and throwing your money away. So when I say upcycling, uh, for example, I mean taking lettuce that would otherwise be thrown out and uh, turning it into sauces, right? Turning kale into kale chips, turning uh, leafy greens into crispy kimchi. So there's mm. so many ways that you can utilize the waste. And what I mean by waste, I don't mean waste that's spoiled, but I mean... Um, waste in terms of not meeting quality standards. So let's say, for instance, we would have uh, a cutoff of, uh, let's say, uh, 1% or 2% tip burn. If there is a harvest that doesn't meet that, then it doesn't get the passing grade. And then we can utilize uh, that uh, harvest for being upcycled into products for the market. And tip burn for folks is like you look at a, a piece of lettuce, a lettuce leaf, and you can see browning around the edges, which makes it go bad quicker and also not maybe as beautiful when you're trying to sell it at a market. Correct. Uh, that's that's what I mean by tip burn. And also, um, you know, I've had plenty of talks and discussions with uh, the team here regarding imperfect plants and imperfect crops and vegetables. Um when you look at some governments around the world, uh, such as France, you know, uh, implementing uh, policies uh, for the retail sector um, in terms of, you know, loving imperfect produce, I believe that is something that uh, the global community should take into more consideration. And the UAE is doing a great job because uh, there are a few uh, uh, campaigns right now uh, being pushed uh, 
through the grassroots level and slowly up uh, into the commercial uh, sector in regards to appreciating imperfect crops and uh, vegetables and plants and so forth. And, uh, you know, just uh, just because something doesn't look perfect, it doesn't mean it doesn't taste perfect. And what I always ask people is, would you rather eat a tomato that doesn't necessarily look nice, but tastes absolutely fantastic, firm, sweet, um, vibrant, uh, or B, a tomato that looks sublime, divine, but tastes like water, you know? And 10 out of 10, people always say, I would rather go for the imperfect tomato that tastes amazing. Absolutely. Apisith, thank you so much for joining us today on the Business Lab. Thank you. You're very welcome. It was uh, great to be part of this. Thank you. That was Apisith Pongsavan, Lead Project Manager of Smart Acres, who I spoke with from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the home of MIT and MIT Technology Review, overlooking the Charles River. That's it for this episode of Business Lab. I'm your host, Laurel Ruma. I'm the Director of Insights, the custom publishing division of MIT Technology Review. We were founded in 1899 at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and you can find us in print, on the web, and at events each year around the world. For more information about us and the show, please check out our website at technologyreview.com. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll take a moment to rate and review us. Business Lab is a production of MIT Technology Review. This episode was produced by Collective Next. Thanks for listening.